everything. Great to see each of you here. I'm so happy to see all of you here that are here today. It's a great joy. What a great, what a great group that's gathered at First Church. You ought to give yourselves a hand for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here. We have mixed emotions this morning as we know that there are many that were with us last Sunday that are in service elsewhere today because of a choice that they made to be a part of an institution of higher learning. And we are excited at the same time that our students have made that choice to be a part of Urshan College. And several of us took several students this week to Urshan, and they're there and a part of that. And we miss them. We miss people when they're not here. And then there are people that... We understand. Let me just share with you, Pastor Sard. There are people that aren't here today that said, Hey, Pastor, I'm traveling. I've been on vacation. I got to get away. I believe, let me just tell you what Pastor believes. You need to get away. You need to take time and get away. You need to, you need to make time to get on a vacation and take your family and connect with them. And everybody needs to go on vacation at some point. I, I, I want you to know I believe that you ought to if you can. I can remember back as a kid, my dad, he worked 50 weeks out of the year, and I don't remember a time that he missed one day. But those two weeks, baby, you better believe that when he got those two weeks off, we were going, and we were going on a trip, and we were having some kind of vacation. I wish I had a reel-to-reel so I could watch those vacation videos. They weren't videos back then. They were on reel-to-reel. He had to, he had to record reel-to-reel, and I can still remember watching those. We had a great time on vacation. You need to go on vacation. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to go on vacation. You need to have time away with family and get together. You need to do that. We need that. And there are people that are coming back from that. So, Pastor, I'm not going to be there. Thank you to everybody that did that. Perhaps you're watching online. Thank you to everybody that lets me know why you're not going to be here when you're not going to be here. That means so much. As a pastor, that means so much. And then there are people that aren't here, and I don't have any idea why they're not here. They should be and perhaps they could be and they're not and that hurts the heart of a pastor. Just like it makes me happy when people say, I'm going on vacation. We're going to miss you and we're going to look forward to when you get back. But when I don't know where people are, it's like lost sheep and where are the sheep? Could they be in danger? Is it possible? And they are in danger if the shepherd doesn't know where they are. And then there are so many, I thought about so many people today Sister McMillan, when you were teaching that lesson, what an excellent lesson that we have to be doers of the word. There are so many people that need to know that they're not where they need to be. That there are people that used to sit on these seats that aren't. I'm preaching right now. There are people that used to sit on these seats that aren't here anymore. And we cannot afford at this crucial hour in time to allow them to be lost. Help us. Help us to be doers. To pick up our phone. Text. Call. Communicate. Apparently there's other ways through Facebook and other venue of opportunity. But connect somehow and let them know. We want you back. We need you back. We need a move of God. And when the prodigals return, remember, we kill the fatted calf, not the prodigals. 
Pastor's preaching. Tell your neighbor, pastor's preaching. And he ain't taking a text yet. When they come back, we kill the fatted calf and celebrate because we had a connection and continuance. We don't kill the prodigals and say, well, bless God, what do you think? No. And such were some of you. But by the grace of God, I'm here in the house of God. Woo! If you believe it feels good in the Father's house, amen. 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 Thank you so much for your kindness and generosity and standing. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, I'll read three verses, 14, 15, 16. To all of our guests, we are so grateful that our guests are with us and we hope that our guests will soon be a part. I see so many today that were recently guests and now a part of the family. That's what we believe for, a connection, a continuance, and a celebration. Matthew 8, beginning to read at verse 14, And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. He came into the house, and in the house was someone that was sick. Verse 15, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Thank God for the touch of healing. I'm reminded of that old song. I was singing it as I was praying about this. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something wonderful happened. And now I know. Whoo, he touched the touch of God. We need a move of God. The touch of God brings healing. The fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. She was healed and then she helped. She was healed. And then she helped. And a result of being healed and then helping is found in the next verse. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That's a powerful verse right there. But I came to preach to you on this Sunday. The verse prior is what produced this powerful verse. She was healed, and then she helped. She was healed, and then she helped. I'm preaching to you today, healed and help. Healed and help. When you're healed, you are empowered to help. We need help for the harvest. This building cannot hold the backsliders that are in this city. I'm going to say that again. This building cannot hold the backsliders that are in this city. But I want to tell you something, church. Before the church can be what the church needs to be, everybody in the house, when they're healed, has to say, I'm ready to help. I'm ready to help. I'm ready to help. If you are, I want you to put your Bible down, your hands together, and just give a shout of praise to what you sense is happening 
running in the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Give God praise right now. Somebody rejoice. You ought to dance in advance because you can see these altars fill. You can see that baptismal water troubled. Is there anybody that believes for the revival that God has for this place? Come on, somebody that has heartbeat of revival. Somebody that has a heartbeat of revival. Just begin to worship and praise Him and thank Him for the revival that He's sending through the touch. Woo! You may be seated praising the Lord. Healed to help. Healed to help. Matthew, the first of the Gospels, is a wonderful, a wonderful Gospel. And if you've never taken the time to read the four Gospels, let me encourage you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The story of the life of Christ. As Sister McMillan was teaching today, talking about the nuggets that you can pull. I want you to know, I I don't go to McDonald's much, but it's my understanding that they have like McDonald's, I think they call them McNuggets. And you can get like, I think a little four pack that, that you can get and then maybe six and then, then if I'm not mistaken... Way back in the day, I remember they had this thing called the 20-pack. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like if you really like chicken McNuggets. When I read the Gospels, it's like a 20-pack of nuggets that you can just pull out. She was referencing James. And man, that's, that's, there are wonderful nuggets in the Word of God. There are so many powerful nuggets that are in the Word of God in the Gospels. And as Matthew begins his Gospel, as he Begins his gospel in the 8th chapter. He says that Jesus came down from the mountain and great multitudes followed him. So we find out that he's coming down, Sister Shelby, from the Sermon on the Mount. Wow, what a sermon. And, And to have been there that day and to have heard the Beatitudes and all the wonderful things that he shared. You talk about nuggets. That's like a hundred pack to feed a family. The, the Sermon on the Mount. And it was, it was powerful and you need to read it. It's the red letter edition that you can get. All them red letters in this, Sister Michelle. You need to read about all that he said at the Sermon on the Mount. But then he's come down from the mountain. Great multitudes follow him and there comes one that is a leper. Now we understand when we study that leprosy is a type of sin. Something that there's no cure for. How many of you know there's no cure for sin outside of our Savior? For all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He examples to me through His Word that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that even when the crowd disappears, could I tell you that the crowd does not indicate that Christ is in the middle of it? There will be multiple crowds that will gather today and watch a little white baseball. And when it goes over a wall, the crowd will cheer or sigh in frustration. That does not mean that they're spiritual or that there is Christ in the middle of it. 
I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you there were times that I prayed for those guys that they could hit that little white ball over a wall. But I'm not so sure that he cares. As a matter of fact, there's many times that it was unanswered prayer. The only thing I can imagine that would be worse is if you were a Cub fan. That wasn't in my notes, but... uh. Here's what I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of people believing. A group of people assembling, saying we still believe that Jesus saves. That we still believe He is in the business of seeking and saving the lost. That what God wants to do for this city, what God wants to do for your family, what God wants to do for this church is have a revival of people that are lost, that come to an altar, repent of their sins, are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, and get the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's the kind of crowd I want. Because God is in the soul-saving business. Let that be established with clarity. God is in the soul-saving business. Doesn't matter. Hear what I'm preaching. It doesn't matter. If no one else will get close to him. The multitude left and Jesus stayed when the sinner came close. I'm going to say that again. The multitude left. You know what they were saying? We like good preaching. Woo, come on preaching. We like that good singing. Sing, sister, sing. No offense to the brethren, but you understand what I'm saying. But where will we be when sinners come? Where will we be when sinners show up in the sanctuary? You want to know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be right here preaching like I ain't never preached before. And I plan on having some singers that are going to sing and say, we still believe. Is there anybody at First Church that still believes that he came to seek and to save that which was wrong? I want to preach to you today. Jesus is still in the soul-saving business. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is still in the soul-saving business. I appreciate that affirmation. So let me just take it to the next step and tell you that since we believe that, I'm going to go based upon the overwhelming affirmation to that declaration that we're on the same page. Jesus is still in the soul-saving business. It's amazing to me how that he examples that at the very beginning. That's first and foremost. And then we're introduced to the centurion. This centurion who is accustomed to having authority. Somebody say authority. Authority. That's a powerful word, authority. He's accustomed to having authority. And as we find the story as it unfolds, this man of authority has someone that is his servant 
that is sick. We know the story of Jairus, his daughter was sick, and so Jairus did whatever. He he was a ruler of the synagogue, so certainly he had authority, and even though he had authority, he still had a situation that he couldn't solve. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what kind of authority you have here, you still have circumstance and situation that you can't solve and requires heaven's help. There are some things that you can do if you have authority There are some things that you cannot that require spiritual help. And I want to preach to you today the understanding of what's necessary in order for us to be healed and then helped and have the revival that God has for us. We have to believe that Jesus is still in the soul-saving business. But we also have to understand that God works under spiritual authority. See how quiet it gets? I got one little right. Thank you very much. Just listen. It's fine. It's not an indictment. I'll explain further. He has the ability to tell people in his command, jump, and they say, how high, sir? Been giving these boys trouble a little bit. You know, Alex is the only one left that I've been saying, sir, yes, sir. Basically, I'm saying, listen, when somebody says something to you, respond with the understanding that you understand who it is that's saying something to you and you anticipate that you will do something about what's being said. He's accustomed to that. Brother Johnson, he's accustomed to saying, jump and his servants say, how high, sir? Sir, yes, sir. And yet now, this man who is very accustomed to authority comes to Christ on behalf of one of his servants. It's significant to see that he cares not just about his family. This isn't just about us four and no more. I don't want just my family to be a part of First Church. I want everybody to be a part of First Church. It doesn't matter where they come in on the totem pole. We just want the entire totem pole at First Church. So he's, he's accustomed to this. And he asked Christ to speak. Now hear what he says. Speak the word only. Jarius, Jesus says, I'll go home with you. And we'll take care of that trouble at home. And he does that. This guy says, I know how it works. I understand authority. And I know that all you have to do is say it. All you have to do is speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He says, I understand authority and I have authority. But I understand that you have... He recognized spiritual authority and he said, secondary to spiritual authority is the authority that I have. I want you to understand something today, church, that we are subject... Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? We are subject to spiritual authority. I'm subject... To spiritual authority, you're subject to spiritual authority. And here's what I believe. I believe, church, here's what I believe, that 
Jesus is in the soul saving business. That's established. What we have not yet perhaps fully understood is that he believes in spiritual authority and he, when you are submitted to spiritual authority, says, I'm going to bless that kind of faith. I want to tell somebody what you need to do is say, not my will, but thy will be done, oh God, and I'll subject myself. I'll submit myself to spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is so much more important than authority because it's spiritual. Ooh, you trying to scare us? No, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to help people today to understand that God has a plan. He's in the business He's in the business of saving souls and he knows how it works. And so that's why he goes from saying, I will be thou clean and the lepers cleansed to saving, to healing sin or to forgiving sin or washing sin away. To saying, you want to see great faith? You want to see great faith that opens up doors of impossibility? Did you know that with that faith? And Jesus goes on a discourse that I don't have time to go into today. You, ought to do, you need to read it, study it, find it out for yourself. It's powerful. He preaches it. And then he says, he's healed. He's healed. Because of that great faith. Sister Lulabelle, because of great faith, demonstrating subjectivity and submission to spiritual authority, miracles happen. I want to tell somebody today that there are things that can happen in the spirit by simply you demonstrating the faith that you are subject to and submitted to spiritual authority. See how quiet it gets? That concept's really challenging to the flesh and to people. And that's okay. And that's perhaps, perhaps we don't have a full understanding of what that means and the significance of it. Because I believe that the revival that God has for us is subject to His authority and spiritual authority. It's going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to happen. When you have that, when you have that, it happens what you want it to happen. His servant was healed. You know why his servant was healed, Elder? His servant was healed because he, a man of authority, understood his role in being subject and submitted to the spiritual authority. And it astounded. You know, as a matter of fact, you know what the Savior said about it? He's like, whoa, I haven't found this kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that's going to change the world. That's the kind of faith. Hear what pastor's preaching today. That's the kind of faith that's going to change this city. I'm going to say that again. Because some of you are still trying to. That's, I know that's not baby food. That's like a steak right there. Like a fillet mignon. You know that's three inches thick. Cooked medium rare. Anybody hungry? So I mean that's just. Just got to chew on that a little bit. There's no problem with that. I understand that. It tastes good. It's good. It's good. So what's going to happen is. We're going to have this revival that's going to fill this house. Anybody believe with me for a revival that's going to fill this house? Good. That's awesome. I'm for it. I believe in it. It's going to happen with the understanding of Jesus is in the soul-saving business. And I'm submitted, subjected to spiritual authority. That demonstration of faith, just as we heard taught again today, excellent lesson goes hand in hand. I'm not sure exactly what Brother Johnson talked about Wednesday night, but if it tied into what you talked about today, it ties into what I'm talking about today. When we do what the Word says, we get what the Word has for us. His servant 
was his servant was healed when Savior spoke the word. When Savior spoke the word, there was healing for his servant. So that happens. And from that, the Bible says that they show up at Simon Peter's house. And so they get to Simon Peter's house. And when they get into the house, they find in Simon Peter's house, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And Simon's Simon's mother-in-law is sick, the Bible says, of a fever. So she needs a healing. What I see being said here is that people in the house still need healing. Just because you're in the house doesn't mean that you're healed to help. You can be in the house and be sick, and what you need is a move of God. We need a move of God. We exampled that the concept that I was talking about today was example. Thank you, Lord, for moving the way that you did. And here's what I believe. I believe those of you that were subject and submitted to spiritual authority, God did for you. Well, and I don't think anybody said this, but let's just say that somebody here is like, I don't have to get out in the aisle for God to do something for me. Let's just say somebody said that. Now, that may be true, but today, today, when spiritual authority said, under the unction of the Spirit, that if you will step out in the aisle, when spiritual authority said, because what happens too often is when flesh is at work, is there anybody that you don't like to do business, you don't like to handle activities when you're hangry? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody else that knows it's not wise to handle important, significant things when you're sleep deprived? Let me just talk about this. I want to help somebody right now. I, w- I want to tell you, here's what happened to me. I was involved in an event where that on average, on average... I got about two and a half, maybe three hours sleep a night. I was involved in this event where I got about two and a half, three hours sleep a night. That's not what you should get. You check with the doctors and they'll say minimum of nine hours sleep. Minimum of nine hours sleep. I had about two and a half, three hours sleep a night on average. And I came into a situation and I'm doing my best to have have an event that's powerful and it was and things happening. But did you know that even in the middle of God's move, flesh can take over? I wanted to help somebody today. I'm going to tell you what happened. I, I was in a discussion with someone and apparently I was obstructing someone's view behind me. And they said, yeah, if you'd move out of the way, we could see what was going on. Yeah, so so being the authority, I don't think you know who I am. I own this camp. I run this show around here. And if you want to see, what you can do is get your carcass up out of that seat and move somewhere that I'm not standing in your way. Huh. 
And then I went about the remainder of my business that was pertinent and important. And he did what I said. And then I started thinking about that. And I thought, you know, that wasn't the way to do it. Oh, yeah, all you people that would have said, oh, I'm sorry, and got out. God bless y'all. But me, <clears throat> something just like, get up, you, you want to see, move over there somewhere you can say. And then I thought, That's, that wasn't the right way to treat this person. So you would not have believed the individual's face when I went back and said, man, I'm sorry about that. I've got no sleep. I'm wasted, completely worn out, been given, given, given. And I said that, and I, my bad. And you would not, it was like, what? People of authority say they're sorry? People are people. People make, I hope that I haven't misled someone to believe that your pastor was perfect and never made a mistake and now I've exposed the fact that I did something that I wasn't proud of and shouldn't have done and said I'm sorry for it. What I'm saying is that we sometimes, if we're not careful, can operate outside of what of what we should or could do. But that doesn't change. Here's, here's what I want you to understand as well. The person was very appreciative of the fact that I apologize. But here's what I want to, I want to tell you this. Even, even when I did what I did, you know what that individual did? They moved somewhere else where they could see. You know why? Do you know the blessing that's coming to that individual? I'll tell you, first of all, the blessing is I wanted to apologize for the action that I took was inaccurate. And yet, that person was already blessed because they submitted to the authority. There's blessing even when... I've had times when authority has been wrong and yet I've submitted and the blessing is there for me. Do you know who the problem was upon? The problem was upon me. That was my problem. It wasn't that individual's problem. Their response was was accepted and they received what they had need of in that situation. I was the one that had to apologize. And I'll tell you what forgiving people does, Sister McMillan, is it empowers the person that forgives. That person was willing to forgive and I believe they had the blessing that's in that. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm trying to help us to understand that there are some things that we have to kill the flesh. Put the flesh under subjection. So here's what I believe. The revival that God has for us, you say, Pastor, you're taking a really, you're taking a whole lot of time. Here's what I want you to know. That we have to heal what's in the house before we can have the revival that he has for the house. We have to heal what's in the house before we can have the revival that he has for the house. Pete's mother-in-law was sick of a fever. She was sick in the house. The Savior walks into the house and sees the need of the individual that's in the house. So it's possible for you to be here today and be sick. I'm not talking about running a fever. I'm talking about being sick spiritually. So it's possible for you to be here today and be sick. 
That's why when we sing that song, we need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need a move of God so that his hand can touch people that are sick. And here's what's important for us to understand. Once he does that, what's our responsibility? How many of you have ever been sick and God healed you? Anybody ever had that happen? How many of you have... You're courageous enough to admit you've had a bad attitude, you've been stubborn, you've been self-willed, you've had things that you've done that you shouldn't have done, and God's dealt with you about it, and you corrected it. Anybody ever? Okay. I don't know where the rest of the hands are, but I'm going to forgive you for that. So, It happens to all of us. What do we do? What do we do once we're healed? What do we do when it is resolved by the touch of God. We're really good at getting the touch of God. We did really, you, you all did awesome today. I mean, what a move of God. People responding, stepping down the aisle, walking down to the front. God did some great big things in here today. What do we do with that? That's the question that I have. What do we do with that? Here's what I believe we have to do with that. I believed that when you are, I believe that when we are healed, we have to then help. When we are healed, we have to then help. So in this particular situation, here's what I believe happened. I believe Jesus walks into Peter's house. His mother-in-law lives with Peter. Think about that. His mother-in-law lives with him. He walks in and he touches this mother-in-law that has a fever. She's healed. And the next portion of the passage says that when she was healed, she arose, she got up, And she ministered unto them. You know what I believe that means? I believe that means that she went out in the yard and she grabbed that chicken. And she wrung that chicken's neck. And she plucked those feathers. And she cut that chicken up. And she battered that chicken in her secret recipe. That KFC ain't got nothing on Pete's mother-in-law. And she put that chicken in Crisco, if you're asking me. And she fried. Is there anybody hungry? My, my, my. Pastor's done gone into triple overtime. She, thank you, dear. She fried that chicken. And she fried that chicken just right. And she made her some mashed potatoes. I'm not talking about something you add water and mix it up. I'm talking about those Idaho potatoes that you mash them up and you put a couple sticks of butter. Can I get a witness? Mm. And them green beans that have that bacon fat. Come on, somebody. Is there any? I got people that are going to preach with pastor now. And man, when she bring out that tea. She brang out that tea and that tea was sweet. I'm talking about like tea the way I like tea where there's a little bit of tea and a whole lot of sugar. And man, when they got, mm, when they got done eating that fried chicken and drinking that sweet tea, eating them mashed potatoes and green beans, they said, you know what? It's time for revival. There ain't nothing that brings revival like fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and sweet tea. What are you preaching, Pastor? 
I'm preaching that when God does something for you, He plans on you doing something for Him. When God touches you, He plans on you making it possible for somebody else to have the same opportunity that you had. And so when God touches you, it's time for you to do what God tells you to do. You say, I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to do that. Just do something, and the Lord will bless what you do. But you got to do something. Stand with me. We all, we all want the revival of verse 16. Put verse 16 on the screen so we can see the magnitude of this revival. We all want verse, we all want verse 16's revival. But what do we want to do with verse 15? Because too often, we want to be healed and then we want to just go eat. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and drink sweet tea. But somebody, somebody had to fry the chicken. Somebody had to mash the potato. Do you all understand that I'm not talking about fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and sweet tea? Because if you think I'm talking about what's for lunch, you're missing the whole message. I'm talking about you have to do something when he does something for you, even if it is. Pastor, can I go boil the water for someone else to put the tea bag in? And Pastor, can I go get the sugar to make the tea sweet? Pastor, can I go shoot the deer to have deer tenderloin? Yeah, as long as you clean it too. I want the good job. I want the big job. I want the job that gets all the recognition. No, 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 no. We're missing it. We're missing it. I want the job that says, I want the Savior to see that I was burning up with a fever and would have died. But he walked into the house and he touched me. And I got to make the house where the house is somewhere that someone that is in need can come. You say, well, what's all that stuff about? Subject to spiritual authority. and, and I, That house that had the revival was a house that understood. He's in the soul-saving business. A house that understood I'm subject to spiritual authority. A house that understood when I'm helped and healed, it's so that I can help someone that needs healing. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, fleshly spirits, Things that controlled them. And he cast out the spirits with his word. I want to tell you something about the word of God. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. God's word knows what we need. You want to know what to work on people that are controlled by flesh and controlled by spirits? Controlled by 
demons, the Word of God. Some of you may not know, but there are people that come to our services that they say that spirits control them. Don't be fearful or afraid. Our experience with Jesus makes us the spiritual authority. When you speak the name of Jesus, demons flee. We should not be afraid of anyone coming with any problem. I'm going to say that again. We should not be afraid of anyone coming with any problem. I thought we sang a song about Jesus taking care of everything. 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 Oh, wait now, but not about that. No, no. Everything means everything. His word healed all that were sick. The revival that God has for this house is contingent upon these factors. Understanding he's in the soul saving business. Being subject to our spiritual authority and being willing to work so that others can have what we have. The touch of God. She ministered unto them and provided a house that was ready, nourished, equipped for that which would come. If we have sickness in the house, we know what sickness does to us. It diminishes our faculties so that we cannot operate optimally. I want to explain that to you. It diminishes our faculties so that we cannot operate optimally. We can't be the best church that God wants us to be when there's sickness seated in the sanctuary. People that are here need to be healed so they can help people out there. So I've explained to you in very thorough fashion in my opinion and that's why it's 1224 what's required for the revival. The question that I have is now that you see it on the menu it's like every menu I'm seeing it seems like the price is more than what it used to be well guess what revival doesn't come cheap and that's why I preached last week please don't let revival scare you when you see the price tag understand the product is worth it what we're going to get is whatever the price that we're going to pay and it's going to be worth it so Will you say, I'm healed to help? Perhaps you need healing today. You can have that and it's available and I believe it's available every Sunday. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to take what God does for you and then do something for Him. If you're ready to receive that, I want to invite you to come. You don't have to bow your heads or close your eyes. Just say, I'm courageous enough to come and say, Pastor, I'm ready to sign up for it. I'm willing to say I'll do whatever I have to do so he'll do what only he can do for those that are hurting and need help. I've been healed. Now I want to help. I've been healed. I want to help. I've been healed. Now I want to help. If that's the way you feel, why don't you just walk from where you are to the front of the building, perhaps kneel at the seat that you are at and say, I've been healed. Now I want to help. And whatever God tells you to do, say I'm willing to do it. Whatever God asks you to do, say I'm willing to do it. I'm not too good to put sugar in the tea. I'm not too good to cook the bacon for the beans. I'm not too good to fry the chicken. I'll do whatever I gotta do to see this house be a house for those that are hurting and need healing. You can be healed to help.